side. Now we're ready. <clears throat> Talked to you about a topic this morning that um, thought a lot about as of late. Um, to me, this become one of the more scary topics uh, for myself, and that is self-deception and being deceived. And when I, the more I study this, the more I saw that it's almost like that. Um, really, on almost two lessons here to be had. So we'll we'll start out with this topic of self-deception. And then we'll kind of end the lesson on being deceived and what the Bible has to say about that. And maybe um, maybe you'll see what I mean by um, this idea of them almost kind of being separate things. But self-deception is real. Um, I'll read a couple quotes I found uh, last night just to kind of set the tone of what we'll talk about this morning. Of all forms of deception, self-deception is the most deadly. And of all deceived persons, the self-deceived are least likely to discover the fraud. Another fellow says, Self-deception is the most powerful crime against oneself. And then Plato says, The, mo- the worst of all deceptions is self-deception. Because the reality is, is uh, you can tell yourself a lie, and it sounds good. You can convince yourself really, of almost anything, um, and you tell the same lie to somebody else, and they're just not going to believe. It. I mean, you know, it's not. There's no way, <laughs> you know. Uh, but we're, there's something in us that, if we're not careful, uh, we can convince ourselves and deceive ourselves of near about anything. And, and so, uh, in what areas of life can we deceive ourselves? All. You know, it doesn't matter what we're talking about. If we're talking about uh, work, uh, parenting, uh, the friends I choose, what I decide to believe, um, how I spend my time and money, uh, in my marriage, uh, and you, we can just keep going on and on and on about uh, the different areas of life that we can deceive ourselves and make ourselves believe that we are truly better than we are. And so... I want you to just think for a minute how how this works and how uh, we can do this. So I'm faced with some truth. Either uh, I hear it somewhere, I read it in my Bible, or someone tells me something that is true that they see about my life. And then what what can I do? I can say, uh, there's no, uh, that's not true. Um, Can't be true. Never will be true. You know what I mean? Like, so I can just, I can process in my mind and convince myself of whatever this truth is that's been laid before me is not true. And that's self-deception. It's the inability uh, for me to be able to come back around and, and see myself clearly. Uh, we, we can convince ourselves of a lie to make ourselves feel better of a decision that we've already made, that we're going to make, or that... Uh, affect someone we love. And that seems to be um, the most common, uh, I guess, when when we wind up in that spot. It's because, it seems to me at least, at least if I think about myself, uh, I'm looking for a way for me to feel better about the decisions I've already made. 
All right, I think we all are, can be guilty of that. Uh, or I'm so in in that way, I'm trying to protect myself. I I'm telling myself a lie to protect myself from being wrong, really, or uh, to protect someone else that I love. You know that they've made this decision over here. Well, then therefore this truth over here that can't that can't all this stuff just can't line up. You know, if I'm going to approve of this, well, then I can't hold to this. Uh, and so, you know, I think that's really how. Uh, all this gets started, and all of it, all of it goes. And when I when I tell you, I, th- I think it's the um, one of the scariest things in life to me is because I I don't want to be that way. You know, I don't want to be someone that has deceived myself into thinking that I'm okay or some decision I've made is okay when truly it's not. But it's so easy to do that, and it's so hard, I think, for us to be able to to step back out of that and see ourselves clearly. And that's what it's all about is being able to see ourselves clearly and not deceive ourselves. Go to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And in verse 9, we'll begin. and um, We're picking up in the middle of a, of a discussion or thought here, but I think you'll... We'll get what we want uh, for our discussion this morning. Second Thessalonians 2 and in verse 9, The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. For this reason God will send them strong delusion, that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And so... Um, I think we see here the root of the problem in verse 10. Because they did not receive the love of the truth. Uh, and he says in verse 11, and for this reason. So because they didn't receive the love of the truth, all this is a matter of the heart. Uh, and you see there in verse 12, who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So you see this uh, in verse 10, this deception that's going on here, this unrighteous deception uh, is why it's because they did not receive the love of the truth. And then what happens then? God just gives us over. God um, will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. So God's just letting this happen. If we do not uh, prepare our hearts uh, to, to love the truth um, and to have pleasure in righteousness, but rather have pleasure in unrighteousness, if we don't do that, God's just going to let this happen. We're going to be able to convince ourselves of that, and God's just going to say, there you go. You want to believe it? There you go. I'm going to let you believe it. He's going to send this strong delusion uh, over to us. A group of people that I think about when I think about being self-deceived in the Bible, the the ones I think are the best example of this are the Pharisees uh, and the scribes, the spiritual leaders of the day uh, in Jesus' day. Jesus talks a lot about this, about them... um, convincing themselves that they are the sons of Abraham, that they are the ones that are in the right, that they are uh, holy and righteous and all those things. In Matthew 23, you see uh, these woes uh, that that Jesus lays at their feet. Um, And starting in verse 23 of chapter 23, Matthew 23, and in verse 23, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and 
and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. And so what, what have they done there in verse 23? They, they've said, well, because I'm so righteous that I'm tithing of all the little things, I must be okay. You know, so I've, I, I'm doing those things required of me, therefore I'm accepted by God. And look at me. You know, they, they were constantly, or Jesus was constantly uh, t- telling them, you know, you're, you're doing this to be seen by men. You're not doing this for the right reasons, which Matt talked about in his lesson this morning. Um, and they're neglecting the weightier matters of the law. Verse 24, blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them uh, may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. And so... um, you know, here we see, we talked about out of Second Thessalonians a minute ago about having this heart that wants to receive the truth, you know, that wants to, uh, that, want, that loves the truth, that will allow uh, us not to be deceived. So what have, what have the Pharisees done? They've convinced themselves that these outward things are what are important, and they've not dealt with their heart. They've not dealt with that. So they hadn't received uh, the love uh, for the truth that they should have. They were not pursuing that. Um, in verse 28, uh, Jesus says, but, they, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. <clears throat> and I guess the question for all of us when we look back at the Pharisees is, um, am I like that? Am I, am I like those Pharisees? Do I, uh, am I worried about these things that are outward or am I worried about all of it? Am I worried about changing those things that need to be changed in my life or have I deceived myself into thinking that if I do some of these outward things, that I'm just going to be accepted. Uh, God, you know, and we see the Pharisees, even this attitude of God owes them, uh, you know, salvation almost. Uh, have I deceived myself like they did? Galatians 6. Galatians 6. Galatians 6 and 1, 1 through verse 10, there's really, there's really two things that, are, that Paul talks about that you can be deceived of here. And both of them, uh, are things we deceive ourselves in. Really in verse 1 through 5 uh, is kind of a, a section, and then 6 through 10. So we'll, we'll talk about 1 through 5 first. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so forth of the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But, but let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. So it seems that there's really two things in here that you can deceive yourself of as well. So this idea of, well, I'm the strong one here. You know, because he's, he's, he's talking about uh, if anyone's overtaking trespass, you who are spiritual. So uh, it seems as if he's saying that you know, if you think yourself to be something, if you think yourself to be one of these spiritual ones, um, be careful. Don't deceive yourself when you are truly nothing. 
So don't don't be thinking of yourself more highly than you ought, I think is maybe the idea here. And also, uh, don't compare yourself to someone else. So this, uh, let each one, in verse 4, let each one examine his own work, and then he will have something to rejoice in himself alone and not in another, for each one shall bear his own load. So uh, don't deceive yourself. When you're comparing yourself, uh, maybe even against this weak person or against anyone else, because we're not to compare ourselves one against another. We're, what are we to, to compare ourselves against? We're to compare ourselves against the Scriptures, against what God would have for us to do, not the standards that we see around us. And so not setting a false standard for ourselves and something to boast about. First John, First John in 1 and verse 8, I think, speaks to this to some degree. 1 John 1 and in verse 8 says, If we see that we have no sin, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And so uh, John's telling us here that, you know, if you get to thinking that you don't have any sin in your life, you've deceived yourself. Um, <clears throat> and the more I thought about this, um, you know, I, I know that um, I've been thinking about how to exactly get this out, but. Uh, we are supposed to try to get to a spot in our lives where we're not just out sinning all the time, you know. So we're not, um, we shouldn't be having to constantly come before the throne necessarily of, of things that we know that we shouldn't have done. Uh, but the, I, when I think about my own life, I think, well, what should I have done that I didn't do? You know, like some of these things that, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to make sure I'm not doing all the things I know I shouldn't do, but what are some things that maybe I, I just hadn't thought about that I should do? So this idea of us trying to think more highly of ourselves than we ought, don't deceive yourself into thinking that you're a whole lot better off because we're all sinners and we all have sin in our lives that we need to uh, take care of. So <clears throat> I guess going back to Galatians just make sure, let's let us all make sure that we're not uh, thinking of ourselves more highly and that we're not comparing ourselves uh, to one another in that way that we deceive ourselves into thinking that we're uh, something when we are nothing, as he says there in verse 3. The second um, part of Galatians 6 and, and verse, verse 6 through 10 um, Starting in verse 6, he says, Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are of the household of faith. And so, uh, Paul is saying here, don't deceive yourself into thinking that you can live a worldly life and that you're somehow going to reap spiritual blessings. That's what he's saying here. That's not how this works. This idea of you sow, you plant a seed, and if it's a good seed, it's going to reap spiritual blessings. If it's a bad seed, if you're doing bad things, you're going to reap uh, corruption, as he says here. Uh, in the Spirit, those things of the Spirit reap unto everlasting life. Um, and it, it seems in the context here, in verse 9 and 10, you know, he says, let us not grow weary while doing good. So I think he's talking about 
the good deeds that we do, the things that we are we're actively doing or not doing, or the things that we are doing uh, that are of a fleshly nature, that are all about the things of this life or the things of this world, if we're constantly involving ourselves in those things, he's saying it's crazy for you to think that these things are going to reap everlasting life. They're not going to. These things over here are going to reap corruption. These things over here, if you do these things, it's going to reap everlasting life. You cannot, uh, you can't tangle this up and get anything else out of it. If you plant a corn plant, you're going to get corn. If you plant a soybean, you're going to get soybeans. I mean, that's just how it works. That's how farming works. That's how life works. And Paul's saying that's how the spiritual, that's how our spiritual life works too. So don't deceive yourself into thinking that you can somehow do worldly things constantly be busy in this world and not be busy in, in the spiritual kingdom and that it's going to reap uh, spiritual blessings or eternal life. Don't deceive yourself into thinking that. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanliness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard Him, and have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you may put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And so in verse 22, you see uh, Paul mention these deceitful lusts. Uh, the old man which grows corrupt according to these deceitful lusts. So here again, Paul's having this discussion of the things that are fleshly and the things that are spiritual. Uh, and he's saying these deceitful lusts. Let's turn over to Hebrews. Kind of hold your marker there, but turn over to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. This idea of sin being deceitful. Or these deceitful lusts is what we're we're talking about now. So, this Hebrews three and in verse twelve, beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said today, if you if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. And so, how, how are lusts deceitful? Or how is sin deceitful? Um, just think about that for a minute. How, how, does, how does that process take place? How does that happen? How does it happen? Uh, how have you seen it play out in your own life? Um, really, what happens is Satan or sin or lust, however you want to talk about it, it's all the same, if you think about it from Satan, Satan or sin promises us joy, promises us happiness or peace or comfort. He can't deliver. Satan can't deliver those things. Sin can't deliver those things. Really, those things deceive us into thinking that they're going to bring us some pleasure, that they're going to bring us some lasting uh, pleasure. And all of the sin that we see uh, around us or in our own lives 
these things are only temporary. These things are only for a, for a moment. They only last for a short little while. That's the deceitfulness of sin. That's the deceitfulness of lust that we have. It's not long-lasting. It really it cannot bring that joy or that happiness or that peace that we're all longing for. Because that's why we would do um, any of those things is try to be fulfilled in some way. That's what we're, we're looking for. But we know that God tells us, Jesus tells us, that the only true happiness, the only true joy, the only true peace comes from Him and doing what He would have us to do, not the sin that Satan is tempting us with. That's how those things are deceitful to us. That's how they, they take us away. And so the question is, is how do we combat that? And really, how do we combat self-deception in general? So thinking about what we've already talked about up to this point and what we're talking about now, this deceitfulness of sin, self-deception. Um, think back to Galatians 6 where we were talking about this difference between sowing to the flesh and sowing uh, to the spirit. How do, we, how do we combat that? How, how do we make sure that I'm not deceiving myself in some way? Uh, we're going to look at James in a minute, and I think James uh, will, will give us some help there. But in the context of Hebrews, where, we, where we're reading here, and in Ephesians, we'll flip back there in a minute. Um, what does he say there in verse 13? Hebrews 3 and verse 13. But exhort one another daily while it is called today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And so, really and truly, uh, we're here to help one another. Verse 15, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Uh, Go to Ephesians 5 and verse 25. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. And so, if I think about how do I... How do I best help myself not be deceived? You know, how do I how do I combat that? Really, there's two ways. the The first way that we're going to talk about is this: so us being here for one another, exhorting one another, um, speaking truth with our neighbor. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, um, for we are members of one another. So, really, you know, you think about God's design in putting us together. You know, we we talked about when we first started that. You know, we may be able to tell our, ourselves a lie that we would believe. But you look over here at me and you're like, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, that's foolish. You know, I, he, he, he's nuts. You know, there's no way that these things all line up. Well, guess what? If you love me, you'll come tell me. Because <laughs> that's really, some, I think, sometimes the only way for me to break out of that cycle is for... One of y'all to come to me and say, Andrew, you're, de- you're deceiving yourself. That's not how this works. Whatever it may be, whatever decision I've made, you can see that decision clearly, way more clearly than sometimes than I can see it. And so here I think, you know, he's telling us here in Hebrews, exhort one another while it is called today. You know, we're here to help one another in that way. Let's go to James. You know, I said the other way, uh, there's really only two ways that I see in Scripture. Uh, one being us helping each other not deceive ourselves. And the other is truly just being able to see ourselves clearly. You know, and that, I think that takes work on our part. James 1 and verse 21, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. 
For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and, for, and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. And so we see... Uh, in verse 22, this deceiving yourselves. And then we see in verse 26, uh, but deceives his own heart. And so uh, what does he say in verse 22? Uh, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. And then he talks about, you know, he goes on to talk about being able to uh, <clears throat> see yourself in a mirror. Uh, so being able to see yourself clearly. In verse 23, for if a man is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. So uh, we look in that mirror and we don't do anything to change, is basically what he's saying here. Uh, and that's how we can deceive ourselves. We Just like uh, Paul talked about in Galatians 6, this uh, doing, uh, reaping, and sowing, sowing and reaping. Uh, we can deceive ourselves in that. But he also says in verse 26, If anyone among you thinks he's religion does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart. This one's religion is useless. So, um, you know, he's putting a lot of weight on bridling our tongue. And then he says, uh, here again, we can deceive our own heart. That is something that we can actively do. And so uh, we need to be able to see ourselves clearly. We need to be able to see ourselves in that mirror and see ourselves for who we really are. Uh, I think that is, that's the key. One one last passage that we'll look at before we kind of switch gears and talking about being deceived is 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3, and in verse 18 through 20. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, He catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are futile. And so what's, what's Paul saying here to the Corinthians? Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks he's wise and says, let him become a fool. So um, he's saying don't deceive yourself into thinking that the wisdom of this world is the wisdom of God because it's not. It's not the case. You have to become a fool to become wise. You have to be able to accept God's wisdom, that's really the only true wisdom is what he's saying. So don't deceive yourself into thinking that these things out in the world are true wisdom. And so what does that look like? And I think we've all seen this. You know, we've all seen, been sitting in a class or sitting in a business meeting or you're talking to a Christian and hear something that, you know, that they've, they've found out in the world. And one that I, um, I've heard of many a times that, you know, I just, I don't know, I don't even... I understand how it, how it comes over into here, but I think it relates back to this, I'm wise in the world, and so therefore all these things in the world would directly apply to spiritual things. You catch more flies with honey than vinegar. Um, a lot of times I think we hear this around the discussion of fellowship, or uh, what are we going to talk about? And the reality is we're not trying to catch flies, we're trying to catch souls. You know, that's the reality of it. And so, you know, you see that, that come in uh, in this discussion. Then you see, well, we, we can't teach about that, 
someone's feelings might get hurt and then they're going to leave. You know, we, we can't have nobody leaving, you know. And so um, this wisdom of the world. I've seen this talked about a lot too. Uh, well, we must have handled whatever this problem is in the church. We must have handled it the right way because only a few folks left. That's crazy. I mean, it's not about numbers, folks. You know, and, and that's what really kind of all these things are about. It's about the numbers and, and how, do we, how do we see that. The amount of people that leave over an issue has, has no bearing on if we did the right thing or not. Doing the right thing is what's wise. Doing the right thing is what God would have us to do. This basketball gym will bring folks in here on Wednesday night and we'll teach them about Jesus. You know, I mean, I think that's where all of those kind of social type things come from is it's this wisdom from the world of, well, if we get more young folks in here, if we get more of this or that, well, then it's going gonna, it's gonna to yield the results that God would have. That's not the case. That's not what God has told us. He's told us, you do this this way and it'll yield the results that I want. And that's what we're to do. We're to be followers of Him and not deceive ourselves into thinking something different. Uh, you see this in parenting. I just almost laugh. I, I wrote this down. I couldn't help but smile, but uh, I, I, I've seen it and I've heard it. My little Johnny doesn't need that spanking. He needs a timeout and he needs to be able to express his feelings. He needs to be able to scream, throw that temper tantrum or whatever it is. And, I, you know, I just, I, what he needs is his pants on fire. I mean, that's what the book says. That's what he needs, uh, you know, because foolishness is bound up in his heart. And so that that's what, God tells us little Johnny needs his riches on fire, not a timeout, you know. And so uh, I think we just see all these things around us, and I think we can all be guilty of this in some facet of our life. We try to bring something from the world that we see and try to bring it into the spiritual realm and think that God's going to be pleased. And Paul says don't deceive yourself into thinking that the wisdom of this world is going to be what God wants. Uh, <clears throat> let's change gears here. Um, and we're almost we're almost done. Ephesians five. I'm going to read uh, quite a few verses here, but Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians chapter five, starting in verse one. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given Himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. But fornication, all uncleanness, or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous, covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. I think what we see in the world and from the religious world around us is that's whatever this sin is. Well, that's okay. You know, God's grace will cover that. God's love, God's grace is going to cover that. You just keep on doing that. It's going to be okay. You know, um, what's he say there in verse 6? Let no one deceive you with empty words. Um it's this lowering of the standard, you know, this lowering of um, it's okay if you're 
a fornicator, an unclean person, or um, you you tell bad jokes, or um, you know you might sleep with somebody before you get married, or you know whatever it may be. These are it's just gonna be okay, you know. That is not what the book says. And he says right here in this context, let no one deceive you with those empty words. That is not true. That's not going to happen. That's not how this works. Uh, For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. And so, you know, Paul's really giving us uh, the other side of it. He's, on, he's, he's saying don't let anybody deceive you with these empty words, with these empty words that you really don't have to do uh, what you're supposed to do. And it really goes back to verse 1 and 2. Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. That's in contrast to these things that, that he's saying in verse 3 through 5. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us, giving himself for us. And then he says, don't let anybody deceive you with these empty words that these things are going to be okay. The wrath of God is coming upon men because of these things. And then what's he follow up with after that? Expose those things and have no fellowship with them in verse 11. And so be mindful of that. I think the, the world is constantly... Uh, trying to convince us of that. It seems like everybody I talk to is trying to, you know, just water down uh, what our Bibles say to convince us, or really, I guess in that context, convince me that those things really don't matter. And he's saying don't deceive yourself in that. Colossians 2 in verse 1. Colossians 2 and in verse 1. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea. And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches a full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. So here again, um, Paul's warning them against somebody deceiving us with persuasive words. And so what's he want us to do so that that doesn't happen? He wants um, our hearts to be encouraged, verse 2. He wants us uh, being knit together in love. And then he wants us to attain to all the riches of full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all treasures of what? Of wisdom and knowledge. And then so, so how do we combat this uh, not being deceived by someone else with persuasive words. It's through knowledge and wisdom of Him, knowledge of God and of Christ, and know that the wisdom, um, wisdom and knowledge come through them, comes through God and Christ. And so, if we're if we're rooted and grounded in that, then we will not be deceived when someone talks to us with persuasive words, with these things that are of the world. Uh, these things that are not lining up with Scripture. Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. Romans 16 verse 17. 
Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned, and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. Okay? And so, he's telling us that those that are causing divisions in verse 17 and offenses contrary to the doctrine, avoid those folks. For those who are such do not serve uh, our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And, and what do they do? And by smooth, smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. You know, this is real. I mean, this happens. Uh, I think we could all think uh, and, and realize that we've known somebody like this, that by, by smooth words, by eloquent speech, they're trying to twist the Scriptures in some small way. And some little way to deceive our heart into believing. Uh, and we can all fall into that. None of us are immune to that. Uh, we just have to make sure that we're striving uh, to know God in Christ and His wisdom and His knowledge so that these things don't happen. So, Because there are false teachers out there trying to do this right here. And we have to be ready for that. We have to be ready uh, to make sure that our hearts aren't deceived, uh, that we aren't drawn away uh, from God and from Christ. I was going to close with another quote, uh, you know, thanking or, or going back to this idea of, of self-deception and being deceived. This one's actually C.S. Lewis. but And then she understood, I, 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 I think it was out of one of his books, and then she understood the devilish cunning of the enemy's plan. By mixing a little truth with it, they had made their lie far stronger. And so that's how this happens. That's how we deceive ourselves, and that's how false teachers deceive us, is by mixing a little truth with it. You know, we can do that for ourselves, and I think we could all think about, uh, think about how that could happen to us or has happened to us. You just mix a little bit of truth in there with it. We, we, we tell ourselves that, that small little lie that has a little bit of truth mixed in there with it, and we're deceived. We've either deceived ourselves or someone else has deceived us. And let us not... Uh, be that way. Let's let us all strive to be a people that are grounded firm uh, in Christ and grounded firm in the truth so that we are we are not deceived and that we're never deceived into believing a lie uh, that will lead us uh, ultimately to hell, really. If there's any way uh, that the saints here could uh, pray with you this morning uh, about anything that uh, you may need help with, uh, we'd ask that you would come forward. Uh, while we stand and sing.